Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Have you ever been afraid? What are some things you're afraid of? What are you scared of? Maybe some of you are afraid of spiders, or maybe some of you are afraid of animals in your house. I'm afraid of mice. I hate them. I can't imagine, you know, they just freak me out when I hear them, you know, or I'm, I'm afraid they're going to go up my leg or something like that. Ugh. I have a friend who's deathly afraid of snakes. Maybe you're afraid of the dark. Maybe if you're an adult, you're afraid of what the future holds. The number one, they say, disorder in America or the, the one of the number one things Americans struggle with is anxiety and fear. And, oh, it just overwhelms some people. And we're constantly struggling with fear, whether you're an adult, whether you're a child. Whatever that fear is, I want to tell you a story of encouragement today. I want to give you one way to deal with that fear, a strong mighty, vibrant, and the only way to deal with fear. And what is that way? Well, listen on, and I'm going to tell you. Well, last time we left Joshua, right, he had heard back from the two spies. The two spies came back after being in Jericho, and after listening to Rahab, they came back saying, listen, the Canaanite tribes... The Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, they are scared to death of you. It says that they're scared to death of us. And that their heart, it says, melts at the thought of meeting the Israelites. Why? Because they're afraid of our God. And they've heard the amazing miracles that they did and how we defeated King Og and King Bashan. And we defeated all these other places. And then they heard of the Red Sea crossing. They're afraid of us. Well, it says in Joshua chapter 3 that the next day, the next day, Joshua gets up and he begins to prepare for battle. And God comes to Joshua and he says, listen, I'm going to exalt you. Just like Moses was lifted up amongst the people, I'm going to exalt you now, Joshua, and this is how we're going to do it. I need you to lead the people out from this city and start leading them into the promised land. And we're going to come to the bank of the River Jordan, and then we are going to stop. And for the next three days, I need the people to prepare. So... Joshua, like I said, gets up early the next day and he tells the people, let's head out. And so they start heading out and they leave this city or this little town, this little village called Shechem. And they leave that and they start heading towards the banks of the Jordan River. Now, the thing is, once they cross that Jordan River, they're in enemy territory. 
there in Canaan land. This is when the battle begins. This is when their new life starts. And so when they come near the Jordan River, Joshua says, stop. And for the next three days, the officers of the country led by Joshua go throughout the nation of Israel. Now remember, there's about two to three million people at this time. It's a lot of people. This is a big encampment. And Joshua has got to get out a message and his basic message to his officers to tell the people is this, prepare spiritually. You have got to, it says there in Joshua, consecrate yourselves consecrate yourselves. And the way they did that back then was through some ritual washing, ritual prayers. They would abstain from certain foods and certain other things. And ultimately, all of this was for the next three days so they could focus on God. It's interesting to me. They're about to go into battle, but God doesn't say, sharpen your swords. Let's start to fight. Swing. Work on your fighting skills. No. He says, what I want you to do to prepare spiritually. Get ready spiritually for this fight. And then he also says this, I not only want you to consecrate yourselves, I want you to be ready because when the Ark of the Covenant is walked before you, that's a sign you got to move out. The camp is moving. Follow the Ark. Now he says, I need you to stay about 2,000 cubits away from the Ark of the Covenant. Now, that's about 3,000 feet, which is quite a distance. But number one, if you touch the Ark of the Covenant, you're dead. Number two, if we stay far enough away, people can see it. People can know that's where the Ark of the Covenant is. And remember, this is where we're going. This is where we've got to be. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was basically think of this big rectangular box. And inside the box were great symbols of God working on behalf of his people. There was one copy or the tablets of stone of the Ten Commandments. That was in the ark. Aaron's budding staff, which is this really cool story of how the staff began to grow things on it. And that's in the Ark of the Covenant. And then the third thing they had was some of the manna that God had miraculously fed his people through their 40 years of wandering. And these are symbols of God's presence. These are symbols of God's provision. And they're put inside the Ark of the Covenant. And then on top of it is this lid. And on top of the lid are these two angels with their wings outstretched and touching in the middle. And the whole thing's covered in gold. And so when you put the lid on, it's a beautiful golden rectangular box with these two beautiful angels on the top. And this is where God came down. And this is where the presence of God was met in the inner temple. This is where God came to meet with Moses, to meet with the high priest, to meet with his people. This Ark of the Covenant essentially symbolized the presence of God. Now, during this whole time, they had been led during the day on their 40-year wandering and then into their battles. They'd been led by this cloud during the day that gave them shade and they could see the cloud and then a pillar of fire at night which are really cool and I can't imagine seeing that that would have been amazing especially that pillar of fire wow but what would have been more amazing than all that would have been this ark of the covenant 
because this represented the very presence of God. And when that came through the camp, it was an awe-inspiring moment for the Jewish people because it represented this fact. They're being led by God himself. They would have felt that the very presence of God was with them and that Yahweh was leading them into battle. Well, for three days, they began to prepare themselves spiritually. And at the end of that three days, here comes the Ark of the Covenant being basically held on poles. These poles would slide along the side of the rectangular box, the Ark of the Covenant. And then they would lift these poles up on their shoulders. They wouldn't touch it because if you touched it, you would die. And then they would walk through the camp to get two to three million people to start following. And some people say maybe they followed him in one long line. Other people said maybe it was a big group, a big circular group around the Ark of the Covenant. All they knew is we've got to follow God in the battle. Wherever that Ark goes, I have got to follow that. And so they began to follow Yahweh. They began to follow the Ark of the Covenant held by these priests on poles, and Joshua and the Ark of the Covenant, they came to the brink of the Jordan River. And when they looked down, they saw something frightening. This was not just some little flowing river with some, you know, nice water. No, it would have been a deluge. This was the springtime. And the water would have been flowing downwards from Mount Hermon where the snow melted and all that water melt is coming down the river, the Jordan River, and it would have been fast. It would have been about 1,000 feet wide and from some places 5 to 10 to 12 feet deep. It's deep. And probably a lot of those, the Jewish people couldn't swim. And this would have been frightening. How in the world are we going to cross this river and not drown? And we got to get two to three million people across. And I've got to get my tents across. I've got to get my cattle across. How in the world are we going to do this? But God says, Joshua, I'm going to show you a miracle. And Joshua, just like I helped Israel crossed the Red Sea under Moses and performed that amazing miracle. Joshua, I'm going to make you mighty in front of your people. And I'm going to lift you high in front of your people so they know that Yahweh was with Moses and now Yahweh is with you. You know how we're going to do that, Joshua? I'm about to perform a miracle. I want you to tell the men carrying the Ark of the Covenant to begin to walk into the Jordan River. So the men begin to walk. They're carrying the Ark of the Covenant with these big long poles. And probably the two men up front, they begin to walk and they put their feet in the water. It's flowing past their ankle. But as they do that, the water begins to dry up. They're walking the Ark of the Covenant into the middle of the river. And as they're doing that, the Jordan dries up. The Jordan River stops flowing. And what the Bible says is 16 miles upriver at a town called Adam or Adam, God heaped up the river. 
basically he stopped it and a wall of water that they couldn't see had stopped flowing 16 miles up. Maybe some of them saw it to get across 2 million people. I'm not exactly certain how wide an area you would need to get across all their stuff and all their cattle. But it says that there were two miracles that were performed here this day. God stopped the river and it stopped flowing. But secondly, it says that God dried up the riverbed. They walked over on dry land. It wasn't like thick mud where their carts would get stuck or their cattle. No, it was dry as a desert. And I can't imagine what the people must have thought. Wow. God is with Joshua. God is behind this. And as long as the Ark of the Covenant stood in the middle of the Jordan River, the people walked by. And it says in Joshua that the people passed by in haste because they're worried. You know, what if that water starts flowing again? You know, you want to get across. Hey, come on, kids. Let's get across. Let's get across fast. Come on, donkey. Let's get going. Oh, why are these mules so starboard? Just let's get across. But they didn't have anything to worry about. It says that all of Israel passed safely across. Well, God comes to Joshua and says, Before you cross, I need you to get 12 men, one from each tribe, and I need you to get some stones from the middle of the Jordan River, and I want you to build a memorial to this event in this little city called Gilgal. I need you to build across the Jordan River in Canaanite territory. I need you to build this memorial. So it says that he asked various men, one from each of the tribes, the 12 tribes of Israel, a representative of their tribe. They came in and they began to dig out stones and probably some big, massive riverbed stones. And one guy grabbed it. It was huge. And they took it and maybe put it on a cart. And somebody else found, hey, this will be a great stone to celebrate my tribe. Oh, I like the look of this. This will be a great stone to represent Judah. Oh, this will be a great stone to represent Gad and Simeon. So they each found their own particular stone and they began to build a memorial to God. It says there in Joshua, The reason we want this memorial is so that one day when you walk past and see these 12 stones stacked in this peculiar, interesting way, a father can say to their son, that memorial, those 12 stones, let me tell you a great story about how God took care of the nation of Israel and how he dried up the Jordan River and we could cross. Let me tell you was supposed to be memorial so that fathers and mothers could pass the story on to their children so they would never forget who Yahweh was. Man, I just want to encourage you. You've got to find ways as fathers and mothers to pass your beliefs, your heritage, your truth on to your children. And one of the best ways to do it is to rehearse what God has done in your life. When God shows up in an amazing way in your life, write that down. Remember it. Tell that story to your children. Find ways to pass on the goodness of God. Well, Joshua, as he's helping his men pull up all these stones in the middle of the Jordan River, he says, you know what? Let's build a memorial right here in the middle of the river. And so on his own, he builds this other memorial with 12 stones and he stacks them up right there where the 
feet of the priest holding the Ark of the Covenant stood right in that area. He built another memorial, 12 stones high. Finally, when they all get across, when they finish building this memorial, I don't know how long it took. You know, was it a 24-hour period? Was it 12? If it was a whole day or, you know, did they have to go through the night? Did did the Levitical priests holding the Ark of the Covenant, did they take turns holding it? Because that would have been a long time standing there. But all I know is however long it took them, as long as the Ark of the Covenant was in the middle of the Jordan River, it stopped. The land was dry. And the people got across safely. And they built one memorial in Gilgal and one memorial in the middle of the river. And then God says, ask those priests to come out. Let's get the Ark of the Covenant out of the Jordan River. And so the Levitical priests move out of the Jordan River. And as soon as the last man's feet leave the river and they're standing on the bank on Canaanite territory, here comes the river again. And it flows, and it flows fast. And I can't imagine what would have gone through the mind of the average Israelite. Wow, we're here. We're in enemy territory. And isn't it cool, you know, maybe when the river went down in the winter or the fall, maybe the peak of that little monument to God in the middle of the river stuck out of the river. Or maybe half of it stood out. And then when it flowed high again, they'd see a little part of it. But I also think when that river started flowing again, the Israelite people thought, I can't go back. There's no going back now. Man, that was an amazing miracle. And there is no going back. If I want to go back to my old ways, if I want to go back to where I was, there's it's no good now. I am over here. We are ready to fight. We have moved on. We have got some exciting things ahead of us. I can't go back now. Well, not only that, another celebration they had to do. A lot of the young men... When they wandered with their fathers, those 40 years of wandering, they were never circumcised. And the sign of the covenant that Yahweh made with Abraham, one of the signs of the covenant that says, I will bless you, I will be your God, I will keep my promises, is you have to have your son circumcised. That was a sign of the covenant. And from then on, Jewish people always circumcised the young men. Well, God says during our 40 years of wandering... Some of you were never circumcised because your fathers were that evil and they rejected the ways of God. And so if you're going to go in a fight for me, you got to get circumcised. We've got to circumcise the young men. And so for the next couple days, all the men who were not circumcised having the sign of the covenant were. And so they stayed there and they healed. And then God said, you know what? We got to celebrate the Passover. Joshua, I need us to celebrate the Passover. And so they had a celebration of the Passover. And the Passover is a Jewish holiday celebrating their exodus out of Egypt, celebrating how God had protected Israel and had passed over houses that had put blood on the door mantle. And so God passed over that, the angel of death, and it only hurt the Egyptians and how their firstborn had been saved. And the celebration of God's protection, the celebration of God's mercy 
Every year they celebrate the Passover. And, well, it was about that time. And Joshua says, let's celebrate the Passover. And so they do. And it is a great and exciting time. And the people, they've renewed their allegiance to God through renewing circumcision. They'd renewed their following of God through celebrating the Passover. They'd just seen an amazing miracle. And then Joshua turns and he's about to lead his people into battle against their first big obstacle, the city of Jericho. And as he turns, he sees something so amazing. I want to say so awe-inspiring, maybe even so frightening that he drops to his knees puts his face to the ground and you know what he saw well if you come back next week we'll find out what joshua saw but the one thing i want to tell you is this i was going to give you some way to deal with anxiety well it's pretty simple if you are a christian if you know the Lord is your Savior, if you've asked him to save you, Jesus says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And just like the people of Israel were encouraged because they saw the Ark of the Covenant and they knew that the presence of the Lord was with them and they knew that Yahweh was leading them into battle, just as they knew that, just as Israel was encouraged knowing that God was with them. So we can be encouraged too. And we shouldn't deal with anxiety. Why? Because we have Jesus. But you don't know the financial debt I face. You don't know the physical difficulties I have. And I agree, I am not there facing the Jordan River you're facing. But I know that we worship and serve the same God who performed that amazing miracle to have that many people cross the Jordan River. We serve and celebrate the same God. Why can't we live in that hope today? And yes, we can get discouraged. And yes, we can get down. But we should never lose hope. We should never come to the point where our anxiety debilitates us and stops us from serving God. I would encourage you, every day when you face that monster of anxiety or that monster of fear or whatever it is you're facing, claim a promise of God. And one of the best promises to claim that God says, I'm there with you. I'm right there by your side. I, I'm helping you through this. We'll get through this together. And then secondly, I'd encourage you, like the stones that were stacked up to remind the Jewish people of this amazing miracle of the goodness of God, I would encourage you to remember how God has showed up in your life. Rehearse those things. Talk about them. Remember them. And then thirdly, 
Memorize scripture. That's the best way to fight anxiety. And one of the ways that verses work is by being a memorial to you of what God has done in the past. Memorize some verses out of Joshua chapter 3, 4, and 5. Memorize that verse out of chapter 1 where God comes to Joshua and says, Be strong and be of good courage. Be strong. Memorize because those are memorials, mental memorials that you can make and Man, the Bible says that my word, the books, the Bible that I've given you, they're a sword and they're sharper than any two-edged sword. and They can be an encouragement and they can help and they can convict. And, and every day, if you remember back to the story of Joshua, that is a memorial. And you can remember, man, God worked for Joshua back then. I have the same God working for me today. Yes, I can get out of bed. Yes, I can step into that scary Jordan River because I have the very presence of God with me. Do I believe that? Do I walk in that? I pray you do. And I pray you have a great week in the Lord. Thank you for listening to Bald Head Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.